0: You fought in the Clone Wars? Yes. I was once a Jedi Knight, the same as your father. Since
1: that one simple sentence, fans have on different levels been obsessed about thinking, what was the Clone Wars?
0: Idea of doing a animated TV series was intriguing to me because it really did allow me to broaden the, the the canvas of what Star Wars is about.
1: Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host Charlotte.
0: Hey, everyone. I'm your other host Caitlin, and welcome to this week's Clone Wars recap. We never <laughs> still don't have a name for it. <laughs> No, but <laughs> you it's the way we're going over the most recent episode of Clone Wars, which is a distant echo. And this episode was written by Brent Friedman, Matt McNovitz, and Dave Bologna, and it was directed by Seward Lee. And uh, I'm super excited to talk about this episode, mainly because Charlotte and I got to watch it together. We had a fun weekend trip to Seattle this past weekend, and uh, Charlotte rolled in right at midnight because her flight got delayed and we got in the hotel room and popped on the Clone Wars it
1: was like (laughs) no choice but to go head head first into Clone Wars it
0: was like 3 30 a.m our time (laughs) we were like well it's it's Star Wars time I was energized (laughs) energized by the wars (laughs) I'd had a couple drinks waiting for her at the hotel bar it's fine
1: (laughs) (laughs) all fine but it was so it was so great to like watch Clone Wars again together. Yeah. I didn't even, it was so, and, and this episode in particular <laughs> was so good that it was uh, it was so fun. I wish we could do it every week. Yeah,
0: yeah, it was really fun. I mean, that hasn't happened since high school. High school. Yeah, which is crazy. Again, I just, I, I'm a broken record, but I still can't believe that we're talking about new Clone Wars on Talkers. it just feels too good to be true and we are continuing the Echo and Rex storyline this is a four-part arc and what I didn't know from the Clone Wars download that came out the nice thing about sidetrack the nice thing about recording later because usually we record over the weekend but recording this episode later means that we got like the episode guide and the Clone Wars download and bucket list are all out already which is nice because usually we don't have that and like Mm -hmm. in the future we probably won't have that every episode (laughs) but what I didn't know from the Clone Wars download is that these four episodes were not originally a part of the 12 episode season that was gonna come out yeah or something like that I Dave yeah. just said that they weren't a part of the original set so they
1: were supposed to be included in the lost missions essentially mm-hmm. or season season six I think they were I think this one in particular was supposed to be season 6 episode 10 so if you can think about how those lost lost missions were kind of put together this one this would go right out which is exactly what how it's going mm-hmm. just not in season format this would Go after the Yoda arc, which is—I don't know—it's just interesting. It's interesting to think about that.
0: Yeah, how they—you know—all these ideas are kind of thought up, and then it's—you know—where do they go? I think it, it's also been interesting thinking about how the episodes are made too, with you know things like recording and music and all of that happening first, and then you know the the actual like episode itself, like the blocking and the the shooting of it comes after. I don't know. I think it's it's kind of cool thinking about mm-hmm. how all this is made because it's the opposite with live action, right? Well, you do the storyboarding and planning first, and then you shoot it, and then you do things like ADR later, and then you do music later too, whereas it's kind of flipped for animation. I don't know. I think it's fun to think about. Totally. I am so with you. I really
1: liked this episode before we dive in this one really delivered for me in a way that I didn't expect. And it's not just the Anakin and Padme stuff as much (laughs) as I loved that. That was a really great surprise. Wow, I'm so happy about that. But I just think this episode also was just really good. It moved so fast. I was so sad that it was over. And I thought it had a really good pace, really good story, really good ending. Um, It just kind of all worked for me.
0: Yeah, I thought so, too. I thought this one was, I liked, you know, you guys know that the clones aren't our favorite character in Clone Wars. And so um, I think we said this in the last episode that it was kind of, it was nice to have these four episodes to kind of devote to to spending more time thinking about them when that's usually not our primary focus. And it definitely just got better in this episode, uh, focusing both on Rex and on The Bad Batch. I think particularly Rex in this episode. And I had a really good time with it. You're right. It was really fun. I feel like it did have the comedy, the horror, (laughs) the action, the thought-provoking lines. It really did kind of have it all. Yeah. What's interesting also is that Caitlin and I, after we watched
1: this episode on Thursday night, Friday morning, I guess. Um, we watched the Citadel arc, which is in season three, which is the last time we see Echo. I can't believe that that was in season three, right? And like returning back to that, and I—that I, was an arc that I definitely have not revisited since it aired, maybe once, but I still don't really remember it. And I just can't believe that it's the that 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 was season three. We're in season seven. Was the last time we saw Echo? And we're just now kind of picking up that plot point. I mean, that's honestly playing the long game. (laughs) And and I really appreciate it. But And it was a really good arc to return to, actually. Definitely recommend it. Um, Something I've really enjoyed, actually, is going back to Clone Wars arcs and and watching it kind of out of sequence, because everyone knows I've tried a hundred times to watch things in chronological order, and I do stand by that that's the way that you should probably watch Clone Wars first, but I have really enjoyed returning to arcs that I am unfamiliar with or familiar with in this lead up to the Clone Wars. It's been really, really fun. And this one in particular was fun to revisit with Caitlin because we were like, oh, wow, that's an interesting concept that gets brought up in this episode. So
0: weird. <laughs> yeah, the, the season three thing I was so surprised at when we went back to it. We were like, oh, yeah, it's the Citadel. And again, I don't remember where all these episodes necessarily are. So I was like, what, season four, five? <laughs> and they are like, like, no, like, season three. <laughs> it's literally right after Mortis. <laughs> yeah. Just goes so crazy. to show where our focus usually lies. <laughs> Okay, so part one is our fun part. That's what Charlotte labeled it in our show notes. I didn't know what else to say. I thought we could call it like mystery part or like okay mystery part. Random, just as part one, fun (laughs) mystery part. So part one is our mystery part, and part two is our story, and then part three is when we talk about characters. So without further ado, let's get started. So that, of course, was my main focus: is making a Star Wars that George Lucas was proud of. Obviously, proud enough to want to put it up on the big screen, and we're all thrilled about that. But uh, you know, hey, fans are passionate, and whether they say for good or for ill about anything, any aspect of it, it's because they love it. You know, they 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 want it to be good. They want it it to. They feel an ownership over Star Wars at this point, and I respect that. I mean. In both directions, you know, I, I respect the good things I've heard and I
1: respect when fans says, ah, why is it animated? Ah, okay, I get it, but, you know, give it a chance
0: and check it out and I think they'll be surprised because I'm a fan and I like it. Okay, so welcome to part one, the mystery part, or the fun part, the fun mystery. And (laughs) uh, (laughs) this week, we are going to start with the fortune cookie for this episode, which is The Search for Truth Begins with Belief. And as with most fortune cookies, this one is quite on the nose. And this is something we kind of talked about last week, but it really just kind of hinges on belief in not only Rex, but belief in... In Echo, too, that he is alive and that he hasn't betrayed them all. It really is kind of twofold. So I think that the fortune cookie works as it usually does. Yeah. Did you rewatch the animatics before this, Caitlin? I did. It has a different fortune cookie, but I don't remember what it is. Hold on. I can this find is- it.
1: This is the second time, while you're finding it, this is the second time they've changed the the fortune cookie, which I think is interesting and I think really speaks to the rewrite, the additional scenes, the placement within this 12-episode story arc. While, yes, this is a, a four-episode arc, I think that the way Dave kind of talks about it and has in the Clone Wars download, it all has to do with one singular story that will lead to the end. Um, and I think that that kind of goes with changing the fortune cookies because we've talked about this in the past too and i might have mentioned on the last one but usually the fortune cookies kind of guide the morals and the themes of the episode and have in the past they've started with a fortune cookie then then written the story and i think it's interesting that it was changed but in both these past episodes given the fact that the story kind of changed around but at the end of the day it's Kind of similar.
0: <laughs> it's pretty yeah. similar.
1: So it's interesting.
0: Well, the I mean, the la- the one from last week, that one wasn't even a fortune cookie. It was just a thank you to the fans right. from when it was put out. And this one, this one is actually quite different. Uh, the concept is the same, obviously. But this one is much different than the one that we actually have. It's wars are not won with superior weapons, but with superior strategy. And... I think that this one, it really it, – it's doing that big picture focus on, like, the war as a whole. And I feel like we kind of hear Rex talk about that when they're trying to tell him, you know, well, what if, what if it's not Rex or, or what if it's not Echo and what if Echo has betrayed us, yada, yada, yada. And Rex is like, yes, that could be true, but also they have our algorithm and I got to get that back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think that – I, I kind of feel like this fortune cookie – Wars are not one with superior weapons but with superior strategy kind of lends itself more to that one. But it is, I don't know, it's kind of comparing the two, I think that the one we ended up with is way better.
1: <laughs> yeah, I really think that the last fortune cookie really speaks towards like Echo and the Techno Union um more than Rex and the Bad Batch and that whole crew. Or I think that really it speaks to Rex's own character arc is what like what they landed on you know
0: yeah definitely definitely i i prefer the fortune cookie that we got so i'm glad that that is the one we got yeah okay so the mystery of what we're going to be talking about in this part last week we did trivia which i won um (laughs) but this week we are doing a debate this segment (laughs) (laughs) Which (laughs) it's funny because often on like our q a's or like our birthday q a's in particular people ask us if there are things that we disagree on in star wars and there's honestly not a whole lot there are a few things but they're honestly pretty minuscule in the grand scheme of things um but one of my favorite things to debate with charlotte about is anakin obi-wan and padme (laughs) and the love triangle that ensues between them all and not the love triangle the love triangle that Anakin thinks is happening because I'm sure we've told this story on the podcast, but I feel like it's been a long, long time. So you all know that Revenge of the Sith is Charlotte's favorite Star Wars movie, right? And it's the one that convinced her to like become a lifelong fan. It's part of how she dragged me into this nonsense. And I think a couple, like a, a, many years after we were friends and I saw Star Wars, we're watching Revenge of the Sith one night. We get to the end, you know, they're all on Mustafar. It's very dramatic. And I was like, man, it's so crazy how Anakin thinks that Obi-Wan is, like, with Padme. (laughs) And Charlotte goes, what? (laughs) And they go, what? (laughs) And this is like, she never come across this theory. This is
1: probably maybe, like, four years ago, (laughs) five years ago.
0: (laughs) It's not it was it was it was not a long time ago. <laughs> and I was like, Anakin totally thinks that Obi-Wan and Padme are like together and that Padme is cheating on him with Obi-Wan. That's why he's like, Oh, you've been with Obi-Wan, haven't you? Or like Obi-Wan said that. Like he's so jealous, that's the thing. And Charlotte was like, No, that's not the thing. And I was like, No, that's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> and he, and he, it's just so funny, but the fact that this never came up until, you know, some four years ago or whatever it was, and that Charlotte is such a staunch non-Obi shipper that she just completely just shuts it down. and I just completely zone it, it
1: out. And it's not, it's really not because <laughs> of me being an anti-Obi whatever. It's not like that at all. It's just that I clearly have never really noticed it or saw it. So I never grabbed onto it. And it's just really, really funny. That, so funny. And it's funny, in light of that conversation that we had four or five years ago, a lot has made uh, – <laughs> it's, <like, laughs> it's, it's like opening my eyes.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, like, we all have some Star Wars blind spots, right? And that's you, definitely one of mine. <laughs> you say that, but this is the debate, everyone. This is the debate this in this episode. So – the great scene, right, that you all know we're going to talk about when Anakin has his secret conversation with Padme and Rex is standing guard outside and they do this whole kind of kerfluffle and he comes out and Obi-Wan is there and Anakin's just playing it so, you know, too cool for school and he walks away and Obi-Wan goes, well, I hope you told Padme I said hello, okay? And Anakin gives this look when he turn, like when he kind of turns his head back. All right, and now Charlotte and I are watching this at like three thirty in the morning, right? And <laughs> I go, number one, Charlotte had a towel in her head because she's taking a shower. She throws it across the room because she's so overwhelmed.
1: <laughs> that scene just like totally escalated in every single way.
0: It's also really
1: funny <laughs> to note that this is a good point to note that when Anakin was like, "We gotta go," like I'm late as it is. You were like, "Oh." He's gonna go talk to Fabre, <laughs> and I was like, "What?" <laughs> I just I don't, I don't understand. understand. Again, <laughs> blind spots zero. But- I, I had no idea that was coming. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: so anyway, so Anakin gives it the look. Charlotte throws her towel across the room, off of her head, and I go, "Oh my god, he's so suspicious." And Charlotte goes, "What?" <laughs> he's so like that's an angry look that he's giving her right there, and you are just you still don't think it's an angry look. You just think he's kind of like do 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 do, and I'm like, no, that's a serious look. Okay, he's very okay. concerned it's, here.
1: It's not do do to do. I think he goes through three emotions. Okay, so you think it's pure serious look? I think he, he literally through... side
0: eyes him. It's just a side. I,
1: I think he goes through surprise that obi-wan said that and then frustration yes but then i think it's it's this like slight mutuality that wow he knows but i I got away with it regardless like it doesn't even matter no (laughs) (laughs) and you just think it's a purely (laughs) anger
0: at obi-wan which makes sense it makes sense. I the surprise and frustration I, I love that too. that this is our debate this moment, and it's literally 0.5 seconds on screen of what emotion Anakin is conveying in this in this very, very specific moment. But the kind of acceptance mood that I think you're throwing in there, I think, is your wishful thinking. <laughs> Because if that was true, he wouldn't react the way he does in *Revenge of the Sith*. Like you're with when he's, he screams, you're with him.
1: Yeah, you brought him here to kill me. I don't know. I think that like you're right. You're right. <laughs> but I also think that he cycles through three separate emotions, and it, there is a couple things happening on that screen. I don't think that it would be one singular thing, aka anger. I think it is surprise. Anger, frustration, also that he didn't really get away with it like he thought he did or has been. And this sort of paranoia that, yes, I think you're getting at because that is part of what happens in Revenge of the Sith, this paranoia. Um, but this like understanding that, I don't know if I could if I could analyze that scene and everything that goes into it and everything that has happened out of it. I've literally not stopped thinking about this scene. <laughs> <laughs> I think that it's it's so, first off, so crazy that Rex knows Obi-Wan, like everyone knows? Does everyone know? I don't think everyone knows that Anakin and Padme are married, but I think that they all know that something's going on there. And that in itself is, earth shattering cannot even really describe how earth shattering <laughs> that is for me. I freaked out, and am still freaking out. But I do think that there's a little bit of this paranoia of obi-wan knowing but also am i even getting away with something that i think i'm getting away with uh that
0: i think is quite interesting um yeah i think it's it is interesting because i don't i don't read that emotion at all as far as like getting away with something i i think i see it as pure like suspicion and jealousy um i don't think i think if if anakin thought if Anakin thought in that moment that Obi-Wan not only knew, but I don't know, it was like talking to Padme when he wasn't, I think that he would, I don't think Anakin would care if anyone, like he would just, he would yell at Obi-Wan in front of everyone that this is going on and you need to like, that's, that's, that's my wife. Um, I, I don't think he would, I don't think he would care if, if the situation presented itself and he thought for a second that, there was some kind of threat to his relationship with Padme. Uh, for me, it is – I don't think he's remorseful – not remorseful. That's not the right word. Um, I don't think he cares about getting caught in that moment. I think he's like, what does Obi-Wan know and how does he know it? Is
1: mm-hmm. he talking to
0: Padme? When is he talking to Padme? Padme didn't say anything about him talking to me. That, thats That's the vibe that I get from it. I don't know. I That's this, interesting. I thought this was an interesting uh, debate this. <laughs>
1: I I mean, I it's not that I disagree with you. I actually think yeah. you bring up a lot of points that are good. I just see it a little differently.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I definitely see your points, too. Um, I, kind I, of a I bad debate. That... <laughs> <laughs> we're
1: like, no, 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 like you're shaking, right.
0: You're right. We're shaking no,
1: hands right. at the end of it. It's fair. No, yeah. yeah. I, I think that there's... There's a lot to glean from this scene because this is the new scene. This is the one, this is why Dave Filoni gets the writing credit on this episode mm-hmm. because he wrote this part. And according to the Clone Wars download, they went through this part over and over and over again, several sessions in the void, which is crazy considering this is like what, two minutes, three minutes. And I think that it's worth investigating because this is a huge bombshell. At this point, again, Obi-Wan knows. Rex knows, again, not the extent of what we know, that they're married, that they're going to have a baby, like all these things, right? But I I think that there's... Also, Ahsoka could know (laughs) because of what she says at the end when she leaves. So everyone knows. And it's just crazy. I also love that Rex in this moment, so, so good, with him sort of sweating outside. (laughs) So... I I love everything about this scene. It's amazing. And I think we're going to talk about it a little bit more um, soon. But good debate, good debate. Please let us know what you think and what you took from that scene or if we're crazy and are reading way too much into two seconds.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Also, tell us what should we do in the mystery part? Because we've got 10 more episodes and a lot of time to fill. (laughs) 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 All right. Let's move on to part two. So, if you're a captain, and I'm a Jedi, then technically I outrank you, right? In my book, experience outranks everything. Well, if experience outranks everything,
1: I guess I better start getting some. Okay, so welcome to part two where we're going to be discussing the story. So I kind of wanted to start with this question since I think we're not going to ask the question of what's the state of the Republic? What's the state of the Separatists? I think that doesn't make sense and we decided that last episode. So let's start with where do we find our heroes in this episode and where do we end with them?
0: So logistically, we begin on... uh... And access. Wow, the name of that planet just left me. <laughs> and, uh, and then we end on Skako Minor, the best planet in the court world, with the Taurus, eight eyed, gas bag headed vine walkers. Uh, which we did not see in this which, episode. So bummed. <laughs> Man. Pretty bummed. Pretty, pretty bummed. We, we got we really think- hyped it up. <laughs> Dave, please don't let me down. He's going to. He's going to. I feel to. like the Octoparists are my new Colossus, and they're the best species in Star Wars history. I said what <laughs> I said. Hasn't ever seen them. <laughs> People who didn't listen to our Resistance show are like, "What?" Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, well, the Colossus is a set piece in Resistance, and it's the best set piece in Star Wars, as I. Basically said every episode of our resistance analysis and recaps. And uh, I think I gotta find a way to say octoptaris in every cold voice. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> what are what can you give me the description? Just let me hear it.
1: <laughs> Octaptarus are eight-eyed gas bag-headed vine walkers native to the planet. Skako miner,
0: <laughs> and they're the inspiration <laughs> for the droid that I can't remember the name. It's like the Octa Tri Droid or something like that. Yeah, that, that sounds Which right. We have seen those, but we have yet to see the organic Octaparis. Mm. Anyway. <clears throat> Okay, so we end on Skeko Minor, which I was super excited to go to Skeko Minor. We did not see the Octoptars. We did see the Caradax and the um the native people of Poltex. Poltex. Thank you. You could tell I was searching for the name uh of the Poltex. And it was cool to I, I liked seeing Skeko Minor. I liked the design of the Poltex. It definitely we definitely had some like Avatar vibes. I think we also had some Indiana Jones vibes with that boulder that they rolled down. So there's a lot going on, but we actually don't spend the entire episode with the we, we I think we probably spend maybe a third or a fourth of the actual runtime of the episode. With them, they're not a huge player in the overall story. I mean, they, they certainly help them get into where Echo is being kept. But I think we're used to, in these kinds of stories, of of the Republic or the separatists coming down on a planet, you know, the people who live there originally don't want them there. And it's this whole thing of where these people, these planets are basically forced to pick the lesser of two evils between the Republic or the separatists. And Anakin kind of alludes to this when he says, we're not the ones that brought the war to you, but the Poltecs still have to make a decision and they still are kind of forced to be involved. And at the end of the day, as with everything in this war, it doesn't matter because they're all just working for Sidious. Yeah.
1: I said this immediately when you and I watched it. I was like, this is just another example when they roll the boulder down and they kind of go in, even though they're like no casualties, they go in guns blazing to... Yes, they attacked the ship with the Kiradaks, sure. So they were somewhat provoked. But at this end of the day, I'm like, they're just destroying another village in the name of a war that doesn't even matter. And Mm -hmm. they're involving these locals, these natives. And I'm just like, what's the point of being cruel to them? And of course, things change though. And I think it's actually really great when they're able to communicate with them and speak their own language. And I think this is something that we've seen in. I, I even said this to you, Caitlin, when we were watching it. I was like, communication is the key. The only way that they can get through is communication. <laughs> and the only way that they can get help and get in is to communicate with um, these this alien species that has this strange language that I swear sounds like the backwards language of Twin Peaks. But turns out D. Bradley Baker was uh establishing his own language, which is for sure <laughs> inspired by the twins twin peaks backward <laughs> language. Anyway, I Dee Bradley Baker continues to amaze me. That's oh my so god.
0: Ca- it's so casual. Well it turns out D. Bradley Baker is just, you know, developing his own language. <laughs> like what?
1: <laughs> As you do. I just think that there is something really cool about how we see it in the Mandalorian too when they're able to um I it, I believe it is the Mandalorian that that speaks to the Tuscans in sign language, essentially. It's like Star Wars sign language. Yeah. And they're able to communicate and barter with the Tuscans. And here we are again with, in the Clone Wars, this ability to, once you're able to translate and speak their language and reach a common ground, the Poltecs are more than willing to give them what they need in order to infiltrate the war that they so don't want there at all. They're just, they're angry that the war is there. Mm -hmm. you just you have to feel for them in a way it's just interesting because i swear in the past when i was younger and watching this show i did not pick up on these things at all but i think star wars does want us to pick up on these things of you know this (laughs) the wat tambor and his crew are kind of like taking over um, the separatists are taking over this planet that just did not, was not existing in this way before and bringing the war here. That's not how things were before. And there's that, you know, it's like a one minute scene really, but I I like that it complicates it a little bit. But again, at the end of the day, nothing matters because this is a fake war.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it just, it really puts everything into perspective. And it's interesting seeing how much of these, like big battles are going to be continuing on when this theme of it doesn't matter like it's all inevitable and I don't know I'm interested to see if there's a difference in how they treat the battles in this season compared to how we did in the last seasons because it is the the ticking clock is so much closer and I think a lot of the audience is very I mean, I think they always have been, but even now more so clued into the fact that they're like, no one is winning. It all just is a pawn. And kind Mm -hmm. of within that conversation too, something that I picked up on or noticed in this episode that I thought was particularly chilling, that is not really given any time (laughs) is when um, they're on the ship on their way to Skako Minor, the coolest planet ever. And Hunter and Anakin are talking and Anakin asks him, You know, how many missions have you been on? Hunter says, uh, you know, honestly, I've lost count. And Rex says, I know you work with Cody a lot, but where do you actually get your orders from? And Hunter says that he doesn't know. And that's where the conversation ends. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I paused. I was like, there's no – I think actually when we were watching it, I rewound it like two minutes later. I was like, wait a second. (laughs) Is no one else going to talk about this? (laughs) Um, because <laughs> I it is, it is really jarring that Hunter admits that he has no idea where these orders are coming from and Rex and Anakin don't bat an eye. The Anakin, the one who questions everything and goes against the grain doesn't question this. So who is giving these orders? And I think it's interesting, too, because we are, you know, in this arc, we're asked to compare, you know, what it is to be a clone, what it is to have an individual identity and personality, and comparing the, you know, the regs to the Bad Batch. And the Bad Batch seem like they operate on their own, that they just go where the wind takes them, wherever they're needed, and whatever the mission is, they're there, and they're the best, and whoo-hoo. But at the end of the, the day, they're still answering to someone, and They're like, I would imagine that their chips turn the same way all the other clones' chips turn uh, when Order 66 is enacted. Like, at the end of the day, they are clones, but they are genetically different too. And because of their, um, what was it, desirable mutations, I think is how it was described. Mm -hmm. But I think it's just, it's so ominous that there's this you know, SWAT team of Navy SEAL best of the best clones and no one knows where they're getting their orders from. Is it Dooku? Is it Sidious? I mean, at the end of the day, yes, it's Sidious. But where does this particular thread connect to in this larger, um, you know, puppet show that Palpatine is pulling? And do we think they're
1: ever going to revisit that or is it just another one of these mysteries that we can with the Clone Wars, I'm so willing to accept things like this because we also see you're right. We see a conflict again between the regs and the Bad Batch and it's it's like, why, you know,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I, I think I'd be willing to accept that they don't know where they get their orders from. And I would think that it would be more of a sinister plot. Uh, I don't know. It's it'll it's it'll be interesting to see if that's addressed or not.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't think it will be. And and like you said, I'm good with it not being addressed because at the end of the day we we know who's pulling the strings here. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of this little detail that's thrown in of just furthering kind of thickening the plot that something is awry here and again it's 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 part of what makes the the second trilogy and the Clone Wars so um, fun hard infuriating to watch because we know all the signs to look for of this inevitable doom and our characters don't because they're destined to fall and like like we said like Anakin and Rex oh the orders must come from somewhere like we've got a hierarchy here for a reason whereas you and I in the audience we're like oh red flag (laughs) (laughs) and they're not picking up on them because they can't and Mm -hmm. I you're right I I don't I'm I don't think it will be addressed again I don't think it's supposed to be because they're not they're not supposed to notice it yeah it's interesting yeah yeah what do we think really is
1: that argument was really about and what did it establish, that argument between the regs and Rex. I thought this was so interesting. We actually went back and rewatched it the first time we saw it because there's a couple things that I think that Rex was right to kind of punch (laughs) the Bad Batch crew and get angry about um, certain things that were said, but i do think it's interesting that anakin doesn't step up right away. personally, i think that the scene was added to kind of draw tension, draw out tensions really with rex's own personal belief in his mission and you're supposed to think about that perhaps the other people have some sort of doubt that they're going to show up and he's not going to be alive, echo is not going to be alive and Rex is going to be wrong or his hunch is going to be wrong. I think that all these things are kind of compounded until the very end where you don't necessarily know if Echo is alive or not. And in this moment, I think with this argument, it shows a lot of things, particularly Rex's firm belief in who he is. But also, I think it's interesting that, again, Anakin doesn't intervene right away. But when he does, um, I think that he, he, Caitlin and I were debating this ourselves offline. But does he not step in right away because he sides with rex as padme told him to or does he not um intervene right away because he doesn't feel like it's his place i don't know i think that both of those are
0: probably true what do you think caitlin i honestly don't know it does feel like they argue for a long time and actually get physical before anakin steps in and Mm -hmm. when he in he's siding with Rex, but I found myself thinking about again this hierarchy of of where everyone lands on you know like in the military, and obviously the Jedi are the generals and stuff, but the Bad Batch really are brought in as this like special service, and so they are treated with kind of this level of expertise that. Mm-hmm clearly the Jedi and the clone, like Anakin and Obi-Wan and Rex and Cody haven't been able to crack yet. And so I think it's kind of interesting because Anakin's in the position as the general of this mission that he's going on, that he's not supposed to be going on of wanting to be successful, needing the Bad Batch's expertise and also trying to support Rex at the same time. So he's got a lot on his plate and we know Anakin doesn't do well with a lot on his blade.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you don't say.
0: <laughs> but yeah, in the original version of it, the, it's interesting, and I don't know if this was intended or if it's just how the animatronics work out for for this, but so they're on like a cliffside, right? So we've got this height discrepancy and kind of these levels of the characters in frame. And when it's Rex and then... Um, Uh, wrecker and they're they're kind of doing this standoff you can actually see a little bit of anakin in the background watching it and that's not in the episode like the final episode that's you know out on disney plus now so i I wondered it was an interesting choice to see him watching this unfold and for then that to be removed in the final version and again i don't know if that's just kind of if that was intentional in the early stages of the Bad Batch and, like, the original reels and stuff. Um, But I thought it was, like, the idea of Anakin standing at the precipice of this kind of cliffside or whatever, literally higher than all of the rest of them, both in terms of power and in, like, standing within the military, kind of watching this altercation go down and only stepping in when it looks like Rex might not win. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's a very interesting scene and I, I don't really know how to feel about it. I also kind of think that the practical side of it is that they, like you said, a lot of this is like bringing out tension and building tension between the Bad Batch and the Regs. And so they need time to actually do that. So we have to let them have this little altercation and Anakin is in the episode. So like he has to stand back a little bit and watch this happen. You know what I mean? Because we as the audience – need to see these characters duke it out and like they need to duke it out a little bit too. So I think it's, it's it's a lot going on. You're right about the staging
1: of that scene where there's even a shot of them kind of pyramided almost in in a way that Anakin is, is definitely at the top, Rex next to him, and then the Bad Batch kind of form around in almost equal to Rex, but not necessarily – uh, and I think that is for sure purposeful. Dave talks often about how he, you know, stages certain things and it's it's very purposeful. And I'm I agree with you. It's good. It's good. <laughs> so good. There's uh, I want to talk a little bit more about the Anakin and Padme part. So here's the question. <laughs> I think that this is probably the last time we're going to see Padme throughout the entire series. I think I would bet 80% on that, especially with what Dave talked about in the Clone Wars download. It seemed like he had to write the scene because Padme wasn't in these 12 episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, when when we watched it, I was like, that's it. That's probably going to be it. And I'm really happy with that because I really liked the scene and it gave me a lot. Um, but do we think that that's it for Padme? And do we think that she's even going to be brought up again
0: i think we talked about this over the weekend and at first i said i don't think we'll see her physically in it i think i kind of thought that we would see her again via hologram similar Mm. to how we did in this episode but based off of Dave's, dave's comments in the clone wars download i'm not so sure anymore um he did kind of make it seem like she wasn't in the twelve episodes that were slated for this season, we needed her to be there because she is an important character. Mm-hmm. And Even Kat Tabor's Instagram post kind yeah. of needs It was like a sign off. Yeah, that that is what it felt like. So I maybe this is the last that it's brought up, but I would hope that Anakin and Obi Wan, at least Anakin, would talk about it again. I have this kind of running theory. Or like sad AU playing out in my head that (laughs) uh, if Anakin and Ahsoka are like, hopefully they get time to be like angsty and sad (laughs) together and kind of talk through. Because I said this in my speculation about Clone Wars about this season is that I want – we didn't really get to see Ahsoka go through the thought process of I am leaving the Jedi Order because – I think we infer a lot of how that happens based off what what that story is in the end of season five. But we don't see her come to the conclusion that she's going to leave. When she tells Anakin that she's not coming back, she's already made that decision. And so I hope that in season seven, we hear more exactly about her decision to leave the Jedi Order. And I hope that she gets to talk to Anakin about it too. And I have this like idea that like what if Anakin was looking for a way out. And what if he asks Ahsoka, you know, what? Because because at the end of season five, it is suggested that Ahsoka knows something about Anakin and Padme. Maybe not the full story, but she knows something. It's heavily suggested. So if Anakin does open up to her like that, I think one, it, it leads into a whole lot of possibilities for the future as far as if Ahsoka does or doesn't know about Luke and Leia. Uh, Like, they very well could – Anakin could tell her that Padme's – I guess he wouldn't know at this point. But – or we could, like, go into Revenge of the Sith timeline. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm sorry. This is my brain. (laughs) Um, But if if Anakin is looking for a way out and he talks to Ahsoka about what it is to leave the Jedi Order – Because we've always said that Ahsoka is this example of what could have been with Anakin, both as kind of a father figure, but also like Ahsoka is what Anakin should have done. Anakin should have left the Jedi Order in order to get his happy ending. So if he approaches Ahsoka about it, they have this conversation about it where he opens up about Anakin and Padme and everything. But then he starts to have visions of Padme dying in Revenge of the Sith timeline. Then that pushes him closer to Palpatine. And like, if he had been so close to leaving, and had talked to Ahsoka about it, and talked about Padme with Ahsoka, and this is this is this is where this comes from—is the idea of Padme being brought up again. Um, but and it's like it's so close to that. Yes, like you guys leave, and like we'll all go somewhere together. And then he starts having these visions of Padme dying, as part of again part of Palpatine's manipulation, and that pulls him back further. Into the Jedi Order but not really into the Jedi Order closer to Palpatine and then that eventually leads to his fall. And then like if we go into Order 66, if Ahsoka comes out of this and thinks that Anakin is gone and then she f- learns that Padme is gone too but she- and she knew the whole time. I don't know. I just – I think it's – I want it.
1: I wanted to the way you describe it. I'm like, wow, you should be writing these because that yeah. sounds so good.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I just feel like I'm like tripping over every word because my brain is running like a mile a minute. We're well, like, oh, well, if Ahsoka knows that she's pregnant, and then like we're in Revenge of the Sith timeline at that point because Anakin has to know that she's pregnant. But if Ahsoka does find out, whatever, then like she could know that Luke and Leia are alive, and then she could be a part the of their life, and, like, oh, the timeline. <laughs> <laughs> she knows Bail, vale, so like does she know Leia? Does she sense that Leia is like? <laughs> It's, it's a lot. It's, a, it's really a uh, lot. <laughs> it like, really left a distant echo. <laughs> <laughs>
1: A distant echo is merely a distant echo.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Me constantly, what will Anakin and could talk about?
1: <laughs> I think that you could potentially be right, though, that that is something they could talk about. But I could also just as easily see them not talking about that and that being just as tragic. Because what you just laid out is tragic, but also them not talking about it would be tragic as well.
0: I just think and- that them talking about it makes it so much more tragic. Because if Anakin is like... I see, like, I'm starting to see what you see, Ahsoka. Like, how did you do it? How could I do it too? And it's this opportunity for the apprentice to become the master in a way. Mm-hmm. And then he he can't because he's too afraid because of what he starts learning, seeing in his these visions. Yeah. Ugh, it would be so great. Star Wars is tragedy. Oh, it really is. Star <laughs> Wars
1: is tragedy. Regardless, what is revealed in these scenes are kind of twofold. One we hear that this is the Outer Rim sieges. I thought that was an interesting. I maybe they 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 talked about that in the last episode but confirmed that we are in the Outer Rim sieges, which means we're really really close to Revenge of the Sith. And I think we know that because we can tell Padme is pregnant. Um it's even confirmed online and everything. Um, on the starwars.com um episode guide, but I also, I just think this. there's a couple of lines in Revenge of the Sith that I think would be really interesting for it to come to light. One, the Outer Rim Sieges obviously get brought up when uh, uh, Anakin says, if the Chancellor hadn't been kidnapped, I don't think they would have brought us back from the Outer Rim Sieges. He says that in Revenge of the Sith. And I think it really puts a timeline on, you know, Anakin's not going to see Padme again until you do that moment in Revenge of the Sith. Um, I also think that now knowing that Obi Wan kind of knows, a lot of lines hit different now. <laughs> <laughs> Including, I hope you like you enjoy your glorious day with the politicians. In Revenge of the Sith, I've always kind of headcanoned that, but I really do wonder if he's like, you know, go see your friend. <laughs> and I think that that's really. I don't know. It's it there's a couple things that I'm like, wow. Even the line, um, there's a couple of lines where Padme is like there'd been whispers that you'd been killed. And this is in Revenge of the Seth, and I'm just like, I wonder what those whispers are going to be, because that's going to be something that is explored in the series. And at what point do we think that Anakin is dead, and who who is beginning those whispers? And it'll be it'll be really interesting to see because I do think that that's going to come up in the next ten episodes.
0: Yeah, I I think you're right. That's why I had thought before what Dave said in the Clone Wars download that maybe we would see her within like the political sphere, hearing these things about the war escalating and seeing Palpatine kind of making more of these big sweeping changes to things but now i'm not so sure
1: yeah dave could also be uh lying to us
0: <laughs> because <laughs> as he sometimes
1: does because he could be preserving what could be a bigger moment that will yeah. kind of knock us out but i don't know what that is yeah <laughs> he definitely could.
0: He, he's a good liar uh, he, I don't think I wouldn't describe Dave as a liar. I would just say he withholds truth. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I. It was it was really interesting hearing him talk about this scene uh, because it does get a good bit of time in the Clone Wars download. Which, by the way, I love the Clone Wars download. It's really great. Um, I have to slide in that I wish we had had something similar for Resistance, but it's fine. Um, <laughs> I, but I really, I really do love you guys. Know we love behind the scenes content, and I think a lot, most Star Wars fans do. So I wish we had had more for Resistance, but I'm really grateful that we have this for Clone Wars because it's always great to hear Dave talking about these things and uh, and everyone else involved in the process too. I will say, I feel like we need more Matt Lanner content. Because I feel like he's not featured enough on these kinds of things. You know what I mean? Totally. I just want to hear him talk about Anakin more because this is such a pivotal moment for Anakin. And I just I want to hear more from him. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so Dave talking about this scene, though, I think he lays it out in this really great way about how – you know, Obi-Wan knows that Anakin is in love with Padme. I think I had always known that too, but I don't think I had really... Because in Attack of the Clones, he's kind of making fun of Anakin's crush. But I think I had thought that maybe it kind of fell by the wayside. Like Obi-Wan thought it kind of fell by the wayside, but this kind of concretely tells us that no, Obi-Wan is still very aware of this feel of these feelings that Anakin has for Padme. And like Dave says in the Clone Wars download. He just doesn't imagine that Anakin would ever do something so drastic like get married (laughs) Um, because Obi-Wan and he brings up a good point. He's like, Obi-Wan knows the love like that's not abnormal. He was in love with Satine. He knows that feeling, but he's such the stand up Jedi that he never believes that Anakin would that Anakin would betray their code in the most drastic of ways to Mm -hmm. be married and have children and things like that. And take it so far. Yeah. I think that's what Dave said. Yeah. Take it so Mm far. Um, I thought it was, again, he always, Dave always kind of puts things in context in a way that I don't, I hadn't previously thought of, um, or he synthesizes them in a much better way than I can. (laughs) Totally. Uh,
1: One thing that I wanted to point out, and this has nothing to do with Anakin and Padme. uh, I love the line what the heck were those? <laughs> and when Tech says, one of those reptiles. <laughs> I don't know why it's so funny. It's so funny to me. Because he just saw, oh man, he points out the reptiles and then he says, one of those reptiles. <laughs> so one, great. One of those.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It was funny. I think it was funnier because it was three thirty in the morning. But <laughs> it was
1: like, it was, I mean, every time I see it, I'm like, oh my god, it's one of those.
0: But you know what? It's not one of what? It's not an octoparus. <laughs> if, if only. If only. Do you think octoparuses? Do they just like move through the air like a squid, like an octopus, but in air? Maybe. No, 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 no. Oh, ridiculous! They're vine walkers. They They're vine, vine-
1: walkers. How dare you? They're vine walkers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I really feel like they're not going to be featured because there is no art of them anyway
1: <laughs> yeah I don't think they exist I'm really
0: concerned I'm real sad yeah. <laughs> it's going to be okay All right. we're, we're inching
1: here. closer and closer to Ahsoka and Anakin got
0: a mention of Anakin and Ahsoka are just chilling on Skako Minor, and Ahsoka goes what are those <laughs> Anakin <laughs> goes it's an Octav Tars <laughs> <and eight laughs> I an 8-eyed guess and Vinewalker <laughs>
1: best line ever Emmy (laughs) award winning (laughs) be so great
0: alright alright should we move on to part three yes
1: the Jedi Order is your life you can't just throw it away like this
0: Ahsoka you are making a mistake maybe but I have to sort this out on my own without the council and without you Okay, welcome to part three, where we're talking about the characters. All right, so last week, we said that our favorite Bad Batch characters, I said mine was Tech, you said yours was Hunter. Has that changed?
1: I think Tech's my favorite now, for yeah. the reason I just said.
0: You copycat. <laughs> well, <laughs> he did say,
1: one of those reptiles. So. <laughs> <laughs> and he translated, you know what, I stand. I stand.
0: Well, I mean, same. i will say that wrecker got a lot of good laughs this time the fact that he's afraid of heights
1: (laughs) oh that was so good i'm so glad that they added that it Uh, was it was so great and i also liked the benching uh a droid while also eating a turkey leg it was just you know perfect the
0: turkey leg
1: we're in disneyland now so much
0: (laughs) The turkey leg was, uh, it was great. It was great. They don't eat enough in a uh, Star Wars, so it's always like, where did they get this freaking turkey leg?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Ronto roasters. <laughs>
0: yeah, they stop. Well, that would be so out of their way because Geico Minor is a core world. <laughs> True. True. To you're go so to right. Batu. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But maybe they maybe I feel like maybe they just have I feel like Wrecker probably has his own mini fridge in their Bat Batch ship and he just keeps like frozen turkey legs in there. And instead of getting paid or like I guess clones don't get paid, but um, for a job well done, he gets like a new set of turkey legs to take on. missions. that's exactly what happens. You know how like the Mandalorian gets Beskar steel for his Mm -hmm. (laughs) missions. Wrecker gets turkey legs. Indeed, you're right. Yeah. I think uh I think my favorite is still um tech. I think that uh crosshair comes in a cl- in a second place for me. I just Whoa. I love Yeah, I love his design. I love the voice too that D Bradley Baker uses for crosshair. I think he's just he's I, so Matt Martin has been asking on Twitter this week, um in, which if you didn't know we got to interview matt martin once oh my god <laughs> um about vader and Mortal last last year at d23 if you want to go listen to that but matt martin has been asking on twitter uh does your favorite what is he's like does your favorite bad bash character line up with your hogwarts house and i was like i actually don't know where i would put all of these characters like i get, i guess i do like i guess Tech would be Ravenclaw, Wrecker, Hufflepuff, Hunter, Gryffindor, and Crosshair Slytherin. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. So, but it doesn't line up with my house because my it, house is Gryffindor. Same. You same. Know.
1: Mine is Hufflepuff.
0: Yeah. Anyway, but I like I like Crosshair because I like his Slytherin vibes.
1: Yeah. I do too. I, I respect a, a Slytherin vibe.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love when he's like, don't worry, I've got this. <laughs> Just <laughs> pops them off. Toothpick. Yeah, <laughs> It's so good. <laughs> there isn't a
1: number of the Bad Batch that I don't like. And I like yeah. that they've explored their characters a lot in this episode and the previous episode. And I, I think I actually completely forgot about the Heights moment with Wrecker. And I think it's perfect. I like that it's mentioned once, and then it's brought up again, and it's funny, and it's really charming.
0: Yeah, it is. It is. And and when they're going into the, I don't know what you call it, but the the cyber center, I guess it's not the cyber center here on Skiko Minor. It's, I guess, wherever they're going, <laughs> the tower. And uh, Crosshair goes, don't worry, Wrecker, I'll hold your hand. <laughs> Yeah, that was. And Erica great. was like, it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> I got it. Oh good. We're not up high.
1: <laughs> okay, so let's talk about what's Anakin's relationship with Rex is. Because I do think that in this episode that takes center stage. I think it's interesting that in the beginning, Anakin is kind of dragging Rex along for his little escapade with Padme, and Rex has to um kind of do Anakin's bidding, right? Hmm. Um, and Padme then reminds him that they have to support each other because Rex has always been there for Anakin and Anakin should always be there for Rex. And I think that really does get shown in this episode where in the beginning, um, you know, again, Rex is supporting Anakin at the end. Anakin is really supporting Rex and it's Rex's moment at the end where he retrieves Echo, um. And they're able to kind of clear a, a way, a pathway to get in, get to Echo um, in order for Rex to kind of have his hunch kind of be proven right or wrong. Of course, it's proven right. Um, and I think that most of that is because of the teamwork and leadership that was exhibited by Anakin.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I thought it was, you know, talking about Rex and Anakin's relationship in this episode, I thought it was really interesting thinking about Anakin's, I guess, like, treatment isn't the right word, but how he believes Rex, because when they're on that precipice or on that cliffside after the altercation with Rucker, um, Anakin, like, really asks some hard questions of Rex. And it, I think it, so if we backtrack, right, sorry, again, getting ahead of myself with my brain. Um but when he's talking to Padme, and they're talking about Rex, and he's like, I don't know if Echo really is alive. And Padme tells Anakin, you know, when you have these crazy ideas or you're in the thick of of, of a battle or something, who is by your side? And Anakin says, you know, it's Rex. And Padme tells him, "Well, then maybe you should be by his side for this this time," you know. And that and Dave said this, and and so did D in the in the Clone Wars download about how these scenes and the ones at the beginning they were referencing really kind of emphasize the brotherhood between all of these characters, not just the clones. And I thought that was so important because we hear the clones refer to each other as brothers and like their brotherhood too. But Rex and Anakin and like Cody and Obi Wan, they all have a very close relationship. Like they are brothers too. And this like support, it's in it's hard because they like the Jedi are again like in this military, they are superior to the clones. But they also like our faves, <laughs> Anakin and Obi-Wan, uh, you know, they aren't like General Krell, where they treat their clones as people. And they're not just clones to Anakin and Obi-Wan. And so it is this brotherhood between all of them. But I think that, you know, helps propel Anakin to go with Rex because it is beneficial to him. But it also is supportive of Rex, too. But when they're on this cliffside, wherever they are, and Anakin asks Rex, like, "What what if Echo is alive? But what if he has been turned? And I think he uses the word turned specifically, which, you know turn to the dark side definitely evokes okay. a certain uh foreshadowing i suppose mm-hmm. and rex is very specific and when he tells anakin that if it is like i'll do it i'll take care of it not the bad batch not you me like i'll take responsibility for this and i think it's i don't know i this thing with anakin i find so interesting i don't really even know how to describe it but like, when Ahsoka was um, accused of murder, Anakin listened to no one about the possibility that she could actually be guilty. He would not entertain that thought at all. It was his way or the highway, basically. And, of course, we're like, yeah, <laughs> Ahsoka is not to blame. But Anakin Anakin wouldn't listen to this reasoning coming from Rex or Padme when it was, like, the Ahsoka situation. But he's mm-hmm. the one kind of doling out this, you know, to be quite honest, like, very sage advice and, like, a good question that a general should ask of Rex, of what if you're wrong in this situation? But whenever the tables are turned and, and Anakin is asked if he's wrong, he he has blinders on. Mm, and yeah. um, it really also did kind of remind me of my favorite arc, one of them, the Andoran arc, when... You know, Anakin sees Ahsoka having feelings for Lux, tells her she's basically got to conceal, don't feel. And Ahsoka's like, "Yes, wow, great advice, thank you, Master." And then, like, Anakin's gonna hang out that hologram and go call Padme, his secret pregnant wife. And it's just the duality of Anakin being able to give this. Like, like I said, very stage advice and like a good counsel in these moments, juxtaposed with what he actually does in his life. I just find really fascinating and, and this scene kind of, it made me think of that, you know. And I, I think they've even said this in the show before, but Anakin has big like, do as I say, not as I do energy <laughs> all, <Yeah>. the <laughs> all the time. He all the time. All the time. The hypocrite really jumps out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> often. And I think
1: it's it's great because it really does show us Anakin's faults and his inability to follow his own advice and everything. I think that it really adds to Anakin's character and how we see him in Revenge of the Sith when he makes that crucial decision. Um, But I think you bring up some excellent points. Thank you. (laughs) I want to ask about Rex's relationship to Echo because again, it has been four seasons since we saw Echo. So, what does it feel like to finally see him at the end and that reveal? What does it mean for Rex, really, at that point?
0: I think it is so sad because Rex was right. But, you know, at what cost? It mm. would have been better if if Echo was gone because of what he's been subjected to for however long. And the Bad Batch and Hunter kind of not mock him, but they kind of pick at Rex's weakness about this when they're talking about if if Echo would have turned or not. And Hunter says something like, well, if I had been left behind, I would have I would have turned too. And Rex is that's when Rex you know punches him and he gets really mad and it's so sad because when Rex finally is with Echo and Echo is still is still in the Citadel basically he says oh my god you came back you came back and Rex says yeah we're back but the thing is it's like Rex didn't come back at the Citadel Mm -hmm. and it's kind of remembering that moment too it is really sad like even though Rex is here now he wasn't back then and Echo doesn't know that. It's just, it's, it's a really sad situation. And um, I, for someone who is not a clone person, I was very affected by the scene.
1: Well, the moment is really beautiful. And even mm-hmm. the way that it's framed and I picked up on this and I'm not even sure if that was the inspiration since it was part of the original animatics, but I got a lot of similarities for me between this and The Shape of Water in this reveal i don't know if you've if people listening have seen Grandma del toro's academy award winning <laughs> movie the shape of water i highly recommend it especially if you're a fan of ray um it's a beautiful story and i think that it the shape of water really deals with a lot of um these tropes of monsters and releasing the monster and uh, i think they really played into that the, the horror elements the the almost puppet Esque, the way the echo appeared uh, as he was being puppeted in the back with all these wires attached to him and revealed from this like casket essentially it was very horror vibes very um even steampunk in a way the way that the the room even looks and uh, it definitely evoked a certain vibe that I think was supposed to be scary, but in the end ended up not being scary. At least in, in my opinion, I think that when Echo is reunited with Rex, it's all all scariness is kind of taken off the table because you're back with these two brothers. And you're right, it is incredibly sad that he thinks that he came back for him after the Citadel, but he Rex didn't, so he has to deal with this guilt. And I think this really aids to... Rex's own survivor's guilt that he has constantly um, throughout the Clone Wars and then Rebels. And I think that this is going to be a major component of his character in in this season of the Clone Wars. And I think he'll definitely deal with it as if Echo comes to, um, which I, I assume he's going to. But he really does look worse for the wear. So we'll see how that goes um, as they go forward.
0: Yeah, um, I thought... I haven't seen The Shape of Water yet. I know I'm like a horrible person. Um, But from what I have seen of The Shape of Water from like trailers and things like that, I definitely 100% agree with you about it does have very similar characteristics. And the scene, like the setting has like similar lighting and color choices, I think, to that. That definitely draws a parallel. Um, I did think it was scary. Uh, So... I kind of wanted to ask, what do you think is the scariest moment so far from Clone Wars? Is it, or from animation, I should say, Brain Invaders, um, the uh, this with Rex and Echo, um, or Luminara? Luminara,
1: I think, is the scariest, but yeah. Brain Invaders really r- reminded me that that was the first time in animation that I was like, "Whoa, whoa, <laughs> this is going to get crazy." I think that that was before the Luminara part, if I'm correct. Oh yeah, I'm Luminara not- was Rebels. Yeah. Oh my god, you're so right. I get those kind of confused because that's in the beginning of the series,
0: right? It's so early in Rebels, and I'm always, yeah. I, yeah, I, I think I, I think Luminara is the scariest one because i remember when they were like oh it's luminara and i was thinking wow we're going to see luminara so great and the fact that they just keep her mummified corpse there for oh my god it's so crazy it's and when it mm, it went back oh my god oh okay wait the last one i wanted to ask was um okay so brain invaders luminara rex and echo or the night sister zombie ar- army <laughs> Okay, the Night Sisters zombie army is just cool. Yeah, it's yeah, it creepy, is. but it's just cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not that the all
1: these other things aren't cool, but I think I think that the way that the scene in this episode, A Distant Echo, um, compares to all those is that I do think yes, it is supposed to be scary, but I think it's immediately disarmed
0: mm-hmm. when yeah,
1: exactly you see that it's just a man. When all these other situations, it's a brain invading worm it's a dead jedi master it's you you know what i mean it's an Mm -hmm. undead army and here that that is not how this is at all i think the this fear more is wow they can do that to somebody um it's not this like horror gore element you know yeah
0: yeah no exactly yeah you're right that's the best way i think to describe it it was immediately disarmed that feeling of Whoa, what is like what's coming out of this capsule? I think we knew, but actually seeing it was really scary and then it turned really sad. Did you
1: remember that he was alive?
0: Um, yeah, I think because because we had read up on the original reels. I've been watching them one to one, but we read all of the descriptions of the reels beforehand. Mm-hmm. So they kind of suggest that he's been around, that he's alive. <laughs> I think that Dave
1: was really smart in adding that scene in episode one of Rex looking at the, the photo, really, mm-hmm. of his clone pals. And I think that that really did kind of lay the seed of, not that I didn't think Rex I know he did I know he cares about the people around him I know he cares about his brothers his his fellow members of his 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 troop everything like that I get that but I think that it really personalized it in that moment that was it's just him in his barrack looking at the photo and here I think you know it's it's really it's just him looking at Echo I it's there's there's really like it was a good choice for them to include that because I think it really zeroes in on Rex's own character rather than the group which i perhaps could have been our struggles with conceptualizing and finding um a sort of relation with the clones in in past episodes i believe i think that this to me if it, i don't even know if this makes sense but i feel like i am way more laser focused on rex's wants needs and desires and who he is in in these two episodes than i ever have been
0: yeah, I I completely agree. I feel like I empathize so much more with Rex in these episodes, and I don't know if that's because I am watching these episodes with a new with a new kind of focus than I did originally. Yeah. Like because whenever whenever you and I watch Star Wars now, I think there's always an element in our, in our heads of like, how are we going to talk about this on the podcast? <laughs> and yeah, which is which is a weird thing. Yeah, but... and I don't I don't mean that to sound like. We're always looking for content, but like, (laughs) we like, (laughs) we like talking about Star Wars. And so I think now that we've been doing this for three years, I think it's inevitable that the way we consume Star Wars content is always, there's always an element of, can we, will we, how will we talk about this on the show? Because we, like, we'll be talking about it ourselves, (laughs) whether or not we talk about it on the show, but we like talking about it here. Um. So I, I, don't, I don't know if it's a product of me, like, and, and the point of saying, like, I watch things now thinking about how I'll talk about it on the show is just meaning, like, generally I'm paying attention more, <laughs> which I think is good. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so I don't know if, like, my feelings towards Rex are changing because of, you know, like, the podcast because i'm paying more attention to it because i'm older because i like appreciate these stories more i definitely think like because i'm paying attention more i appreciate the story more i think it's 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 interesting it's kind of complicated but i will say that i'm enjoying i like i was rooting for rex this whole time like i kind of not that i got mad at the bad badge but i was like why don't you believe him <laughs> these are your brothers (laughs) same and and, and kind of like that question that Anakin was asking Rex I was like dude not even a year ago Ahsoka was on trial everyone and their mother was telling you she was guilty and you were running around like a chicken with your head cut off and you know the depths of Coruscant facing off against Assage Ventress because you refuse to believe what people told you about someone that you know so well. And this is the same thing with Rex and Echo. And you need to believe, like, why is it so hard to to believe Rex? And, um, yeah, so I, I definitely, like, feel myself siding with Rex and, and rooting for him, I think, in a way that I, I really haven't before
1: mhm same i'm I'm so with you. I think that it can be all of the things that you mentioned, uh not just one of them among the many. I think that it could be we're paying attention, we're older, we're <laughs> just a different experience, and yeah. it's working yeah. and I do think i i I do think that number one though is strong storytelling yeah, and i I think that this careful crafting of these two episodes that we've seen so far. Um, is really working for me personally, especially to understand Rex and um, contextualize his feelings amidst the Clone Wars.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I completely agree. It it is really working for me, and it is as much a product of strong storytelling as it is us having grown up some. Yeah. Okay. Well, is there anything else we'd like to talk about with this episode?
1: I don't think so. I mean, I think that we kind of covered it all. Again, I think I could talk about that Anakin and Padme scene forever.
0: <laughs> we really did walk and talk in Pike's place for about an hour talking about <laughs> this that scene. <laughs> I'm sorry, Pike Place. There's Pike no Place, of. Place, Place,
1: <laughs> Seattle newbies. Yeah, Seattle I, <laughs> I. Uh... I think it'll come up again, especially if, like, what was discussed there comes up again. So I'm excited to continue to talk about it, but I'm sure we'll talk about it again because, wow, that was an all-time high highlight
0: for me (laughs) in the Clone Wars. We we literally, we, like, turned off the episode. We, like, went to bed. Like, the lights were off. And then across the room, Charlotte goes, does Obi-Wan know? (laughs) (laughs) Do you think he knows? I'm just like, can you believe that? They dropped that bombshell. Wow.
1: <laughs> wow.
0: Oh, boy. It's uh, it's good. It's good. <laughs> okay. Well, I think that is going to be where we end this week's episode all about Clone Wars, the episode A Distant Echo. And uh, the nice thing is we only have a few more days to wait until episode three, where will we see the Octop Taurus? I don't know. But my fingers are crossed. Are yours? (laughs) 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 So hammy, I can't. But uh, you guys know where to find us online. If you want to follow us, we're on Twitter at SkyTalkersPod. My handle is at Caitlin Plusher. Charlotte's is at Clarity. We're also on Instagram, Facebook. We have an email, skytalkerspodcast at gmail.com or website, SkyTalkers.com. Find us wherever you want to search for us, and nine times out of ten, we'll be there. Um, if you haven't left us a review yet on Twitter, um, on iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> First, add us. Here's what you do. Here, here's the game plan, guys. Go leave us a review on iTunes and then add us on Twitter that you did it. There's yes. no prize. Just The points don't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Everything we will like the p- tweet. <laughs> the points don't matter. Actually, you know what's not made up? The podcast Apple algorithm. And when you leave reviews – it pushes our show higher up and more people can find us. You're so right. Yeah. It's so not made up. It's not made up. It's When
1: super- we're, talking about algorithms. <laughs> we're talking about
0: algorithms. Apple Podcast is like the cyber center of Clone Wars. And <laughs> we're just trying to crack it. We're just trying to infiltrate it. <laughs> we're just trying to infiltrate it. Go straight to the top <laughs> of the Cyber Center. Um, so make yourself like tech. Get yourself on a computer or a phone, um, crosshair in on the Apple app and then, you know, like a hunter, find Sky Talkers in the app. And then like record, just like smash the keyboard with your review of our show.
1: <laughs> and then like crosshair.
0: I said crosshair. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah okay number one your tech find yourself a piece of technology (laughs) number two your crosshair zero in on apple Podcasts, whether that's an app on the website i don't really care (laughs) number three your hunter search and hunt for sky talkers within said technology (laughs) and number four your wrecker Smack, keyboard smash and leave us a review, and then you can add us with your own handle and tell us that you did it, and we'll re, we'll retweet you. <laughs> if yes. that's not the best, leave us a review pitch. I don't know what is. <laughs> so true yeah i think so you, you you hit it out of the park i really think i did so please don't let my effort go to waste <laughs> please leave us a review and uh, if you're interested in more content from us and want to jo- join our cozy discord you can head on over to our patreon and check out our rewards tiers there
1: yes and i want to say a huge thank you to these amazing amazing patrons jason joey angela ashley blessed cheese maker brad brandon brian brooke captain britain daniela danny debo delaney and demi thank you all so much for supporting us
0: yes thank you guys so much and until next week may the force be with you
1: may the force be
0: with you